Today's word comes from 1 John. 1 John, if you could all stand with me for the reverence and reading of God's word. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and have manif- made manifest, manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Hey, I'm very excited today. I'm, we're here to uh, share a start a new sermon series on uh, the book of First John. And I think for the first time. Uh, for myself and for, I think, for both of our ministries, we're going to go through the entire letter of 1 John, which is very exciting because this book is short, but it is really packed with a lot of meaning and significance. And we're so excited to really walk alongside and read this passage together. And so my immediate first application point is this. Read the letter. Read this book. And it's, only, it's really short. It's five chapters. Read it again and again. And I know if some of us may actually have some of our favorite Bible passages and verses in 1 John. And if it's your first time ever reading this book as well, I'm very excited because I think there'll be a lot of Bible passages that will resonate with your heart. And so what, that's one of the things that we're very excited to do for the next 13, 13 weeks, walk alongside with this book and really help you to learn, teach you how to read the word and how to be engaged with the word. And by going deeper in the word, we do pray that God will speak to you for faith and to faith. So my objective today as the first and introductory sermon to this series is to set our expectations and our goals and to share with you why we pastors chose this book. And we're very excited to share with you uh, as we prayerfully have uh, decided to share with us this summer how we can really receive God's word through the book of 1 John. And I hope this sermon will also bring us in excitement and hunger for the word and also for what's to come in our, both of our ministries. John didn't just write this letter just because. He wasn't just in the bathroom and was like, you know, I'm just going to write letters to people and just tell people how to live life. No, not at all. Uh, John didn't just write this letter because, but he wrote this letter because of something that happened. Something was happening, especially uh, a difficult thing was unfolding for these early Christians in their life. Well, what was the situation? What exactly was happening? And follow along with me. As I, go along, as, as I go across kind of what is uh, unfolding with these Christians. False teachers and false teaching were being spread and being shared and going around. Now, what were these false teachings? What exactly was teach being taught? There are two camps generally. The first camp, they believed and they were teaching that Jesus was a God, but he was not man. And so there were claims, apparently, that If you were to ever touch Jesus, your hand would go right through him. Or if you were to walk where there were claims that if you were to walk on the beach with Jesus and you turn around, it's only one uh, one set of footprints. Ooh, because he was a ghost. And so he would leave no footprints behind. And those were some of the teachings that were being shared. Or on the other camp, what the other camp was, was teaching was, no, Jesus was a man, but he wasn't God. And so they denied a lot of his miracles. They denied the fact that he healed people, that he walked on water, and especially that, he, that they denied his resurrection, that it was something like an urban myth that just never happened. Now, it would be one thing if these false teachers were just 
there and sharing their nonsense and spewing out their crazy stuff out there. But unfortunately, uh, people were being stumbled away from the faith. Faith. They were uh, really drawn into this and they wanted to know more. And one of the reasons why I think they were so influential was because they claimed that they had this secret knowledge. Secret knowledge. And the way that they acquired the secret knowledge was through these mystical spiritual visions and dreams. And so sometimes like in the worship service, someone would stand up and be like, the Lord says this. And then they would like share all their things that they, that the Lord, that they think, no, claim that the Lord is saying to them. And so people were like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Is this real? And you know, it's, it's, it's very like sensational, right? Too, people were talking to spirits perhaps. And so, whoa, what, what were they saying? And I, I genuinely want to know what if it is true? What if God is trying to communicate through these people? And so people were really drawn into some of these teachings and what was happening yeah, people started to leave. And actually that these false teachers, they left that, the, the, that church and they started their own church. And people that they once considered brothers and sisters started leaving. And the Christians who stayed behind, they were very discouraged and they were very shaken in their faith. And this might sound distant, so let me share you an illustration. Maybe that might bring it to be more personal. Imagine Pastor John and I, we invite a guest speaker here. And that guest speaker, also, he shares, I've had a mystical spiritual vision. And that here is the message for all of you. Jesus in the Bible, this Jesus in the Bible is not enough. He's not enough. And actually, he, I talk with him. I talk with him like every Wednesday. And he shares with me the things I need to share to all of you because the Jesus in the Bible is not enough and he wants to communicate more to all of you. This is a side comment. I hope Pastor John and I, if a guest speaker ever comes to share that, we're going to tackle that guy down because that's nonsense. But anyway, just for the sake of illustration. And so what he says is, you know what? I'm going to plant a church right down the road next to Kung Fu Tea. You, you know, if you come to my church, you get half off. And so please come to my church. And so what happens? People start leaving. And not just, let's say, a third or even half of our church leaves. And not just our church, but the neighboring churches all around, ODPC, CCPC, KPCW, they, start, they all start leaving, half, half people. And you know these people, the people on your left and right. You know that there are people where you really genuinely thought, wait, they're Christian. How is it that they're getting tripped into this? How are they, how are they, getting, how are they falling into this nonsense? And not only that, not only do you see friends and family and members but you see people of spiritual authority, spiritual leaders, you see elders, you see pastors, they start leaving and they start joining this movement. How would you feel? You would feel very discouraged. And I think one of the questions that we would ask ourselves, wait, am I wrong? I thought I knew the Bible. I thought I knew Jesus. Wait, how, what if I am wrong? What if this is all just a lie? What if? This is who John writes to. He writes to the Christians who stayed behind. And one of the things that he wants to do as their pastor, as their teacher, as someone who dearly loves them, he does three things for them. Very simple. First, this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you who Jesus really is. I'm going to tell you who Jesus really is because I want you to really know Jesus. Second, I'm going to tell you who Jesus is not. 
I'm going to share with you what these false teachers are teaching, and I'm going to share with you who Jesus is not. And third, by knowing who Jesus is and by knowing who Jesus is not, I hope, I really hope, that you will truly know that you are Christian, that you are in the right, that you will have confidence and assurance and comfort and security in knowing that you are genuinely Christian. And also, more false teachers are on the way. They're on the way. And so I want to give you a rock-solid faith so you would stand your ground and be firm in what you believe in because you're, what you believe in is true and right. It's from the Bible. And that's why he wrote this letter. Now, one can ask, maybe some of us are asking, well, what's the difference between John the Apostle and some of these false teachers who have been claiming that they've had these mystical spiritual experiences? What makes them different? How do we know which one's telling the truth? Aren't they both the same people? That's a good question. And so how can we tell the difference? And so let's start with the false teachers. See, the authority of these false teachers, where does it come from? Where, do their authority come, where, does, their, where does their authority come from? And it comes from their, the visions that they're claiming to have, these mystical spiritual experiences that they're claiming to have. Because if you take away that, you know, that, those visions, they're nobody. They're just like all of us, like people. But if you take away their visions, then they're nobody. So that's really where their authority comes from. But here's the thing, and here's the question. How can we verify that they're actually having those dreams, that they're actually having these visions? And the simple answer is, we can't. We can't. Imagine yesterday, I tell you, or uh, I tell you right now, yesterday, I had a dream, and Jesus visited me in my dream, and he, tell, he shared with me uh, when exactly the world was going to end. How many of you can verify that I actually had that dream? Nobody. It's impossible. Even, yeah, we can't do that. You don't, you, can't, you don't really not quite know if I had this dream. And see, this is why they were so attractive and so, so many people were drawn to it. They were claiming to have this secret knowledge and like, hey, I have a secret. What is it? And then they would draw people in like, what is it? What is it? And they'd be, you know, they would share things in little bits and pieces because if they shared everything, they would you know, lose, not know what to share that, that one week. But that's what they would do. And they would draw people in. But no one can verify this information. No one can know whether or not this is really true. Are you following along with me? And so, but later on, actually, in this uh, book, John will teach us how we can tell who the false teachers are, specifically in what they teach, their content of what they teach. And this is where the Antichrist comes out, the topic of Antichrist. And I think one of the like, top messages or questions that I get about the Bible is about the Antichrist. And here's the thing. We're going to actually have a sermon about, that too, uh, about the Antichrist. And so please uh, look forward to that as we talk about how we can tell who these false teachers are. Okay, so... What is John's authority then? What makes John so different out of everybody? Look at the beginning passage and look at the verse with me. And if you ever, if you write it in your Bibles, if you have a highlighter or if you can just circle words, I want to emphasize certain words so that we can really see where John's authority comes from. So read with me first verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was for the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard. We proclaim also to you. Here's what John is saying. Yeah, you know those false teachers? They had their mystical spiritual visions and experiences. They're probably tripping, but here's the thing about me. I knew Jesus. 
I've seen him. I was with him. I was with him the three years he was doing ministry from day one to the very end when he ascended into heaven. I was with him. And not only that, I wrote the things down. I wrote everything that Jesus has done. And I wrote one of the gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the very John that is this very same John. Do you know uh, who wrote most of the New Testament? This might be a trick question. Do you know who wrote most of the New Testament? It was Luke. Luke wrote the most. And the second was Paul. And then third was John. John wrote the third in, in terms of how the length of the New Testament. Jesus had 12 disciples as well, but there were three that had greater access to Jesus. Do you know who they are? Peter, James, John. John had greater access to Jesus. All three of these apostles who witnessed greater things and we've seen much more. They've seen Jesus transfigure. And I don't even know what that looked like. Like they just saw Jesus kind of like, like split in his like, I don't know, it was weird in terms of what they saw, but they saw much more. And not only that, John was the only apostle that we believe that saw the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we preached on, that it was an actual event that happened. And John saw all three. He was the only apostle who did. And people saw that. People saw John was with Jesus. And so when John makes these claims, they're all verifiable claims. They're claims that you can make sure and see if there's evidence to what he's saying in, in terms of what he is uh, uh, claiming. And, all, and you know, John right now, especially as he writes this letter, he's at a very old age. He's about to actually soon pass away. And so he's lived a long life of ministry. He's been, he lived a long life of teaching, proclaiming, and sharing about Jesus. And all that he has shared has stood the test of time. No one can deny John. No one can contradict John. John just knew Jesus, and he had uh, uh, full authority to talk about Jesus. Pastor David will be ordained later today. I don't know how many of us are going, but when you, uh, when you go to his ordination, you're not just attending his ordination, you're, all, you're also witnessing his ordination. And so let's say 20 years down the line, Pastor David you know, in his ministry, people start questioning. I don't think Pastor David got ordained. I don't think he's a real pastor. I don't think he's a real reverend. But if you attended it, you'd be like, what? No. No, he, he was. I was there. You see, I, I was there. I, rem I remember. Oh, yeah, Pastor Sam was there. He was doing the presiding. Oh, oh yeah, I remember pa Pastor David, he cried a lot. He cried so much. I remember that. Where is he? <laughs> I remember he cried. I re Pastor jo oh, yeah, Pastor John was there. Oh, I remember my friend was there. You can talk to them. They were there. They can verify. Wait, were you there? The person who's sharing the gossip? Were you there? The person who's sharing the misinformation? Wait, you weren't even there. How can you know? How can you share that nonsense? And so because you were there and because you are a verifiable witness, you dispel any false information immediately, both the information, the gossip, and also the person. Wait, what are you talking about? I was there. And so this is who John was. He is someone of authority when it comes to Jesus. And here's also, not only did John know Jesus, Jesus knew John. Jesus knew John. And, and let me go even further. Jesus gave authority to John to speak about him. I give you full authority by the name of my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to speak my name. And so when we talk about authority, there's no one greater than John. And look at the beginning verses. And that's, okay, so we established John's authority. And now in terms of the content, he, this is like one of the thug lives, I think, of Scripture. 
Like he immediately denies the two camps of false teachers that are being shared. Look, Jesus was a phantom? Jesus' footprints were not there? Look, look, look at this. Oh, I touched him. I've seen him. I, I, I touched him. No, that's, that's all false information. He denies that immediately. Jesus was not a phantom. No, he was fully God and fully man. Jesus was not God? He didn't, you deny these miracles that he didn't resurrect? No, I saw him. I saw him. And not only did I see him, 500 other people saw the same thing. We can tell you, we saw it. And all of our testimonies and our witnesses stand the test of time. People die for it. For what? Why would they die for this? Because this is what we saw. We can't deny it. No one can stop us from preaching what we saw. And that's what John is saying. All right, Pastor Sam, is it that important? Why can't we just have different views of Jesus? Why can't we just be united? Isn't unity more important? Why, does it, why do we have to cause this division? Why is it important that we have to agree on who Jesus is? Why can't we just be, uh, have diverse views? Why can't we tolerate other views? Is it that important? And the answer is, it is. It's very important. It's a matter of life and death. It really is. It really is. And here's the thing, like, we're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to beat people rhetorically. We're not trying to beat people logically. That's not the point of Christianity. The point of Christianity is not to win arguments, it's to win souls. Because we believe when you share Jesus of the Bible faithfully, that people will be saved from eternity, from hell. That's what we believe in. And so we can care less about winning an argument. It's about winning souls. It's about winning people to Jesus. It's about saving people from hell. Eternity. That's what we're here for. And this is why we're committing to this series. Because there's nothing greater than knowing Jesus. And this is what our sermon series is called. Knowing Jesus. Very simple. Knowing Jesus. And how will we do this? The very same way that John does it as well. Who Jesus is. Who Jesus is not. And by doing so, we hope that we will give all of you an assurance of your faith. That you will know whether or not you're a truly Christian. And here's the thing. We're not trying to be like, okay, the Christians on this side, the non-Christians on this side, and then everyone point at the non-Christians and laugh at them. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We hope that if you're not Christian, and if you find that you're not Christian, we genuinely pray that you will be. We pray that as you get to know Jesus and get to witness Jesus, that you, your souls, your souls will be touched by the Spirit of God and that you will be just brought into His graces. That is our hope. And that is our prayer as we go through this series. And so it's all about knowing Jesus and knowing him. And we, we hope that three things will result. Three things. First, faith. Faith. Here's a question. Why are you Christian? Think about this for a moment. Why are you Christian? Why? Why are you Christian? Why do you consider yourselves to be Christian? And actually, today in our culture, it's more unpopular to declare that you are Christian. So why are you Christian? You know, when I was a junior in high school, that's when I met Jesus Christ. And I believe I had a real genuine spiritual experience because at that moment, I remember at a retreat, my life changed after that moment. Everything changed for me, really. And I had such great passion for Jesus. My life changed and so many things began to transform. I had such passion for Christ and I loved worshiping God, but I lacked in something. I had a lot of heart knowledge of Jesus, like heart knowledge in the sense of a lot of emotions for Jesus. I loved praise. I'm a drummer. So sometimes when you watch me do praise, I'll like air drum because that's just the way I like worshiping. I look like an idiot. But I, that's what I had. I had a lot of heart knowledge for Jesus. I just loved being a part of the church. I loved serving. I loved everything about the church. But there's one thing I deeply lagged in. 
I lacked in head knowledge, mind of Jesus. I didn't really know Jesus as I look back about as, as I look back in my life. I seriously lacked a lot of knowledge of Jesus because truth is I didn't engage with the word. I tried. I mean, I wanted to. I knew it was important to read the word. I knew it. You know, every pastor will emphasize word, 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 word. As it, and, I, and I was in your seat as well. And I tried. I really did. But I, I struggled. I really struggled. I didn't get it. I didn't get the word. Now, there were certain passages that I didn't like, but everything else, it was really hard to understand. And my understanding of Jesus was very fluid. Like, I would kind of get, like, my favorite verses here, and then a few of the sermons that I've learned about Jesus, and then I'll try to use, like, my own logic and deduction, and like, okay, okay, so this is the person of Jesus. I see. I see who Jesus is. And then sometimes, like, I would watch YouTube videos, too, because YouTube was just coming around when I was, I think, like, a senior in high school, and I started watching things about Jesus. Like, ah, I see who Jesus is. But you see, no one was really there for me to walk alongside with me to really know who Jesus is. I knew I loved Jesus, but I didn't really know him. And doesn't that sound really weird as I say that out loud? You know, I love my wife. I really do. But imagine some of you come to me and ask the most simplest of questions about my wife, and I fail to answer it. And you'd be like, (laughs) Pastor said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about that. That's a little shady. I feel like that's kind of the relationship that we have with Jesus. We love him. We lack serious knowledge of him. Sometimes when we think about faith, it tends to be characterized as blind faith. Blind faith. You know, I think there's this, there, there are debates of faith, faith versus reason, faith versus science, faith versus logic. As if faith, the Christian faith, does not have substance to it. It's just like believing that a guy had a spiritual experience and you just have to trust that that, that guy had that experience. But that's not true at all. The claims of Christianity, there are verifications of it. There's evidence to it. There's content to it. There's weight to it. There are things that you can really cling to and trust more than you trust the chair that you're sitting on. And this is what we want to engage in and teach us all together and walk alongside because this is what John does, how he helps the Christians really know their faith and know their faith well. And so through this sermon series, we want to give you more substance to Jesus. That is our hope. It is our hope that we will really get to know Jesus of the Bible. And not about who we think Jesus is. Not about who Pastor Sam thinks Jesus is. It's not about what Pastor John thinks who Jesus is. No, we want to let the word proclaim who Jesus is. Not about opinions. It's not about feelings. It's not about emotions. It's about the truth. And that's what we want to do for the next few weeks together. We want to talk about who Jesus is and present to all of us together as a body. Hey, hey, I'm not any different. I I need this too. I need to know who Jesus is. And so all of us together to really genuinely get to know Jesus. And by encountering and knowing Jesus, we really hope for two things. That there would be those of us who consider ourselves Christians to be assured of your faith. You know, uh, being insecure of your faith is one of the scariest things. There are nights as well for me when I, sometimes I, like as I'm going to sleep, it always happens during those times where I'm just like, I don't know if I'm truly Christian. And it's a scary thought. Because we're talking about eternity. But I want to give us a word, teaching, to be assured of our faith. And also because false teachers are coming. Second, I want those of you who don't consider yourselves to be Christian, or if you find out that you're not Christian, to really know who Jesus is. And by knowing so, I hope that you will genuinely become Christian that you will begin to receive the grace that is so good that will change your life forever and ever. I really do hope so. And I wish that illustration, that you know, silly illustration that I used with the guest speaker and what happened to these early Christians in 1 John, 
I really wish that those things were uncommon and rare. I really wish. But they're not. They're really not. And it doesn't just come in the form of these ecstatic cults, religious leaders. It comes in the form of the professors that you might have one day when you go to college. When you step into philosophy, anthropology, sociology 101, and you begin to hear a teaching that you've never heard before, and it begins to start tripping your faith. And you start wondering, wait, does God really exist? I don't know. And you don't know how to answer these questions. There's one professor uh, from, from a missionary that I talked to. You guys all know him. And he went to UVA, his son. And the beginning of his class, what he told me was that all the Christians, please raise your hand. And there were like three or four people who raised their hand. And the professor said straight up, this is what's wrong with the world. It doesn't just come in the form of professors. It might come in the form of a new friend that you meet in the future. And they share to you a new perspective that you've never heard before. And all of a sudden, you begin to question the validity of Scripture. You begin to question if God is really real. Do I really need Jesus? It also comes in the form of a book that you read or a YouTube video or a TikTok clip. I don't know the term. That you see. And it begins to start your journey away from the faith. I genuinely wish genuinely wish that I've never seen a case like this. But I have. From personal friends to students right here in our ministry. It's one of the saddest things of pastoral ministry to see people walk away from the faith. It's kind of what COVID has done too. False teachers are around. You know, John says it later on. The Antichrist? Not about whether they come, they're here already. They're here. They're taking us, they're taking God's people away. And we want to equip you and teach you that you would stand firm in your faith. Stand firm, Christ. You know, these two camps that I talked about, they're still here, those two camps. They're still teaching. It just comes a lot more advanced in, in what they do and how they do it. A lot more subtle than what I did, a lot more subtle. Very hard. They hide the, their, their medicine, their poison inside the food. The food tastes good, but it's poisoning you slowly. And it would be very naive for me to say that none of us here are, have been affected by false teaching. And I'm not saying this to, to discourage us. I'm just trying to give us a wake-up call. When we walk inside this building, we bring worldly false teaching inside here. We do. But by knowing Jesus, it will purify us. It will sanctify us. And slowly this poison will come out of our system and we will be sanctified in the fire of the Spirit of God. And that's what we're excited to do. And I think this is what we need, really, to build up God's people, to be firm in our faith. And so in this sermon series, we want to help you engage and really know Jesus, really know him. And then uh, a, a little bit of a side note, uh, like a kind of like an application note. Uh, pastors, we, we the pastors started up a podcast. I emailed it to our JG last Friday. And we started up a podcast where we just talk about faith and life. And really why I bring this up is I hope that we can be an additional voice in your week. I know there's a lot of things going on in your week. Maybe summertime, things are going to slow down a little bit. But on a weekly level, the pastors, we're going to talk about various topics, like what is the Bible? What is justification? Like all these like really important topics in a very fun way. I think one of the things that I've heard was, Pastor Sam, your, the, the podcast was very entertaining. And I was like, oh, that's really good. I'm really glad. I, I, I really thought it was going to be more pastoral, but it's great that it's entertaining, so I'm really glad. But yeah, please take a listen. I hope that these are the ways that we can really help to grow and learn in our 
our faith together. And all, all, Pastor John and I will continue to find other ways to feed you all spiritually and equip you. That's why we're here. We want to help you build your faith and know Jesus Christ. Second, uh, first is faith. Second is fellowship. Fellowship. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Now, here's the thing. Like, we're not trying to just be filled with biblical knowledge. We're not just trying to build biblical scholars so that you won't be uh, uh, embarrassed the next time you have to play Bible Jeopardy at a retreat. That is not our goal. Our goal is not just so that you would be filled and be a textbook and memorize all these answers. That is not, not our goal. No, not at all. Our goal is worship. Worship of Jesus. And we hope that as we begin to learn about Jesus and learn more about him, that it leads to worship. Question, how can we glorify God? Answer, we can glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and obeying his will, commands, and law. We hope that you can genuinely enjoy Jesus. Truth is, the Jesus that we know, that we think we know, may not be the Jesus in the Bible. The God that we think we worship, we're worshiping may not be the God that we're really worshiping. We want to give you Jesus in plain, Jesus from the Word. And through so knowing Jesus in the Bible, it will lead you to greater worship. Because when you get to really know Jesus, it results in worship. It results in praise. You know, when... Um, uh, Israel was fighting against certain uh, uh, armies and other countries. You know what was in the front lines of their, uh, their, their army the sh- uh, in terms of strategy? You would think, like you would put the, like the tanks up all in the front, right, with the shields and protect everybody. But you know what God's people, you know what Israel did? You know who was in the front of the army? Worshippers. And from a worldly perspective, like that's the worst strategy in the world. Why would you put worshippers in the front? Like phew, arrows, you're done, you're dead. Like why would you do that? It's because who was behind them? God. Because when every battle, when they worshiped God, battle was won. Worship is the greatest weapon that we can ever have. We're, we're, we were made to worship. The problem is, is that we're worshiping the wrong thing. And other things are promising to us that it will give us life, it will give us meaning, and it will give us identity. But those are all just false promises. We hope that when you genuinely get to know Jesus, it will lead you to greater worship and that your life would find such fulfillment and you would flourish. Because we believe that through fellowship with God, you'll get a clearer idea. We'll both, well, all of us will get a clearer idea of our identity, calling, and purpose. Through fellowship with God, we'll become more like Jesus through faith and repentance. And through fellowship with God, we flourish and enjoy God fully. Truth is, we're all looking for fellowship. All of us are. You know, we are the most connected generation ever. And yet, we're the loneliest generation ever. I know there are nights and days where we might feel utterly lonely. No one knows us. No one loves us. The God of the Bible knows you. He's calling you. God is our home. And we hope by knowing more about Jesus and knowing more about him, you can find your home in him. You can find assurance in God. That is our hope and prayer. That fellowship with him. And we hope and pray that the more you hear about Jesus, it'll do work in your hearts to join in fellowship with God. You would have a union with God in your spirit. And you'll get to realize that this God is not puny. We have an almighty God. And not only fellowship with the Lord, we also believe and we hope, not just inward fellowship with God, but we believe also, we hope, 
that outward fellowship and community would result as well, the church. The more we know Jesus, it, it, it just always results, church, because God doesn't just save me. God saves fellow brothers and sisters. And so we come together as one. And here's the thing, community is hard. You know, I'm sure if we were to really be honest and vulnerable, if we all had a time where we could speak in the mic, we would talk about how much we've been hurt by this very community. I think if we had a vulnerable time as well, that you would hear how we pastors have hurt you as well, how small group leaders have disappointed you. You know, sometimes the church can be so disappointing. Why isn't the church better? Why? If they really believe in Jesus, if they really believe in this love, why isn't it better? That's a really good question. And we hope. I think because we really didn't know Jesus. And when we get to really know Jesus and worship him and, and really receive the word, we'll see transformation happen in our community. And the more brokenness we see, we begin to see God's grace begin to heal and transform us. Here's the news to all of you, all Search AG students. You don't need to come in here. Pastor John and I, the leaders, we don't, you, we don't have an expectation of the person you need to be. We want to love you and meet you for where you are because that's what Jesus has done for me, for all of us. We hope we can do the same for you. This past year has been very tough, COVID. We've been separated for a very long time. I've seen uh, faces that I haven't seen in a long time, and my heart is so f- filled with joy. And we hope we can do this together again, walking alongside together, knowing the word, knowing Jesus together, fellowship. That's what we need. We really need it. We really do. And I know f- there's a side of us that wants to run away from it. I know that side. There are sides where like, I, it's really weird. Like, you have this like, love and hate relationship. Like One side, I want to be known and loved, but another side, I'm so scared to be known and loved. I, I don't know if you feel that. We hope that this can be a safe environment where we can really practice grace and love Jesus all together, worship together, be a church together. And so one of the things that uh, Pastor John or really and I are doing is thinking about how we're going to do the summer. Usually, generally, summer times have been a little bit quiet because we've been focusing on missions and so forth, but there's no mission this year. But Pastor John and I, we're going to continue to think about and share with you and present to you the things, the ways that you can all connect during the summertime. We want this church to be like every day where you guys can just come and really enjoy one another and learn about Jesus together and worship together. And also even just unconstructed time where we can just eat food and really enjoy one another's presence. We really do hope that this summer. And we really do hope that you would take advantage of that. Because I know when school time comes, like we, all of our time goes down, our commitment goes down. I understand that. And so really let's use this summer to build one another up because we need each other. I need you. You need me. And through this, we can grow together in Christ and in fellowship. And finally, uh, we hope that three things will result. Faith, fellowship, and finally, full joy. And this is how uh, he ends in his introduction to the early Christians. We are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be complete. Have you ever noticed that your joy fluctuates up and down? Have you ever noticed that? You know, for me, my joy, when it's the most up, it's when life goes well. When I got the good grades, when life is successful, when I'm getting the approval of people, when I feel like I'm doing a really good job, that's when life goes up and my joy goes up. When people are happy with me, when people like me, when I'm known, that's when my joy goes up. But when... 
those moments don't happen, I see that my joy goes completely down. I don't have joy at all. If anything, it's like the complete opposite. I feel a lot of anxiety, a lot of apathy, very discontent. I see myself complaining a lot and very ungrateful. I feel very useless and empty. I don't feel joy. It's like the complete opposite. You know, and just in a more personal um, story, you know, right before COVID, this is what I wrestled with deeply. Um, I, I found out recently, I had like sharp pains in my chest. I didn't know what they were. And uh, I actually texted a doctor like, what is this? She didn't know either. But I found out recently that I had a panic attack. Very recently. And why did I have a panic attack? And the reason why, and as I'm really reflecting through, I'm still processing it. But the reason why I had a panic attack was because my joy was attached to so many things, so many things outside me. So much of my joy was attached to my circumstances and how my, well my life was going, how well my, how I was doing in my work, how well I was relating with people, how well I was doing in my pastoral ministry here at JG. My joy was attached to that. And because I wasn't doing well, I had a panic attack. You know what is bringing healing to me right now? What is restoring my heart? What is restoring my joy? Jesus. It's when faith and fellowship collide. When faith and fellowship collide, joy results. Joy results. You know, this past season as well, I've been spending more time with the Lord. You know, before COVID, I had just no time for God, if I'm going to be very honest. I had so much work I need to do. I had no time for community. I had no time. But strangely, in, in, in God's providence and the way that God mysteriously worked, he gave me all of that during COVID. I, 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 I was really reading the word. I got to worship God and really be restored in him. He also gave me community. You know, if you go to the well, our office, you know, all of our pa the pastors there, we really had time for one another and it was such healing for our souls. And this is you know, what we're seeing right now with All-Stars, JG combining, and there's a lot of other things that are happening within our church. It came out of result, out of faith in God and fellowship with one another. This is what's happening, and it's beautiful. And we genuinely hope that this would be the same for all of us. How can we have this joy? How can we have this joy that is steady and constant, that does not fear with what's happening around my world, how can we have this joy where it's not dependent upon how well my life is going? Can this joy ever be possible? Yes. It's all found in Jesus. It really is. It really is. And we hope that when you get to see Jesus more and more in your life, you will begin to find that joy that is steadfast, that will never shake, that will never shudder, but that joy will be complete in you. Because the creator of the universe died in the hands of his own creation to give us that joy. That is the Jesus that we worship. And he gives that to that, us that complete perfect joy in him. And so we hope, we genuinely hope, that the more you get to know Jesus, you will have that joy. You will. And we, we pray that you will begin that journey of receiving that joy in your life where you will be a complete person and know Jesus more and more. And as we know Jesus through faith and fellowship, that he will be the source of our joy and all other joys that we think give us joy will lose power over us and we'll have Christ at the center of our lives. Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. And God, we pray 
God, bring us the word. And Lord God, as, just as we shared here, we want to know who you are. Jesus, we want to know who Jesus is. Lord, we also need to know who you are not. And Lord, by knowing such things, God, we pray that it would result in such beautiful faith, fellowship, and full joy. And so God, may we be excited for the word. Lord, may we read 1 John together and may we walk alongside together reading this word and Lord, seeing the words that you have to share to us. And Lord, may it comfort our hearts. Lord, I know there are people here sitting in, in, in this room. Lord, I know that there are people even in watching online. They don't have joy in their life. They're, they want it. They're broken. People who feel very anxious, empty, useless, ap apathetic. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would work. And Lord, may you revive the hearts of our people. And Lord, may you bring your grace and your glory upon this ministry here today. God, we pray. May you be preached. May you be shared. Lord, may our ministry come together. Know Jesus and Jesus alone. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.